So we're starting our Advent series uh, this, this morning, but before we do that, um, many of you guys heard news, maybe you saw it on Facebook, or uh, had a friend who, who let you know, but a couple of weeks ago, the pastor of Life Vineyard Church, uh, Simon Forsyth, tragically passed away. He was 45 years old, um, had a, a wife named Melanie and, and three young kids, and it was, it was, he was on sabbatical and had a heart attack, and it's just tragic. And some of you know that he was my old boss. He was the, the pastor of the church that I used to pastor at um, for a number of years. He was the, the pastor who ordained me. He was the pastor who really mentored me. And, and he was really my, 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 my closest friend for, for a number of years. Um, and, and, and I have... Um, I can say with confidence that without Simon, uh, I don't know if I would be up here this morning. That Simon was really the reason that I'm a pastor, and I know that God is the reason I'm a pastor, but, but God really used Simon in my life. And uh, I remember in my early 20s, I was struggling I was really, really in a dark place. I had uh, become super jaded towards the church. I was, um, felt incredible hurt and pain from God and from leadership in the church, and I became uh, separated. I pushed away from, from anything that resembled God or church. I turned away from Jesus, turned to, to all kinds of things to fill this this void that I felt turned to drugs, alcohol, all the, all the kind of normal things. And, and it was, you know, my life was becoming a really, really sad story. It was a story about a, a depressed, hopeless young man who was falling deeper and deeper into darkness. And I remember at one moment, I, I had kind of had this, uh, you know, one of those moments where I said, I need to get my life together. Like, I'm, something needs to change. And so I didn't know what that looked like or what that would entail, but I, I remember I thought, hey, I think it would probably be a good idea for me to get back into church. It had been like a number of years since I had gone. And so I remember talking to my dad and saying, Dad, I don't want to go to a church where I'm known as, you know, Danny and Penny's son. Do you know of a church uh, that you think I would like? And he said, you know, I just met this young guy. He just, he just planted a church last week. Um, he's Australian or Irish or something. Um, and, and funny enough, he was both. Uh, but he said, I think he'd really like it. And so I, I went there, and you know, Simon was charismatic. He was unlike any other pastor I had ever met. And we bonded, and he invited me to grab coffee with him. And uh, I, I, I sat down to have coffee, and my plan was to tell him how much of a wreck I was. My plan was to sit down and say, I am a mess. I can't get my life together. I want to get on track, but I can't. And so as we sat down at this coffee shop, I began to list all of the reasons that I was a mess. 
And he began, he stopped me and began to speak life into me. He began to speak the words of Jesus into me and, 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 and told me in that conversation that uh, God was calling me to be a pastor. And I was like, what? That's not, that's not what I was expecting from this conversation. And, and, and really, it was, it was the words of God intersecting into my dark story that it was just a catalyst for change in my life. And, and my life really, from that moment, that, that conversation was a life-changing moment in my, in my story. And the reason I'm telling you this one, one reason is because I want to honor the legacy of the man who really mentored me, but also, you know, there are countless stories being told in this world. You know, just in this room, there are hundreds of stories being lived out. There are all of these stories being lived and told, but there is one story that is so compelling, that is so beautiful that all other stories pale in comparison to this story. It's the, the, the archetype of all great stories, in fact. It's a story of, of love that was lost, but was redeemed. It's the story of, of humanity that turned its back on a loving God that created humanity to be in an intimate relationship with him. And they turned away and had no way of turning back. They were hopeless. They were hopeless, but God, which are my two favorite words in the English language, but God did something about it. And we know the story, comes to earth, born in a manger, lived a perfect life, lived the life that we could never live, died the death that we deserved. And because of the life he lived and the death he died, he paid the price for us to be restored back into that relationship, intersecting the dark story and bringing his story into this world. It's a beautiful story, guys. It's a story of redemption, of restoration. It's a story of reconciliation. And it's still playing out today. We see that what happened on the cross, still the effects of it are playing out today. God is reconciling the world back to himself. And, and for each and every person on planet Earth, they are all being invited and wooed and, 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 and called into that story. And you are being called to be a part of that story. And I know we all come from different places, right? We all are living our individual story. And some of us are, you know, we may, have been, we may be followers of Jesus for, for like 100 years, and, and some of us, we, we might be really far away from God. We might not even believe in God. But no matter where you are today, God is intersecting your story and inviting you into his and so this morning, as we, as we start our Advent series, 
the, the, the series that's leading up to Christmas, we're going to be starting, and it's called Behold. And, and what we're going to be doing is we're, we're going to be looking at the Christmas story, one of the high points of this great narrative that's playing out. And we're going to be looking at it from four different perspectives, four different individuals who are all li- living their story But God came and invited them to see what was happening with his story. We're going to look at these four different journeys to Jesus, these different angles of people who are invited to come see Jesus, to behold their Savior, the Savior of the world. And what I think is cool is all of these stories are very unique. They all have unique perspectives and and unique situations. But here's why I'm really excited about this series is God didn't just stop with these four people. These weren't just the four people that he said, hey, I want you guys to come see me and know me and and experience this story. But it goes on to you guys and to me and the entire world. He is inviting all people to come and see him and know him and experience him. And if there's anything worth knowing or worth hearing in this sermon or or for any sermon for that matter, it's that fact. It's that for God so loved the world. It's that God loves you. God came for you. He wants you. He's inviting you. He's extending to you an invitation to come to him, to come see him, to come behold him, to experience him and to know him. See, God is is not an angry God. God is not, you know, sitting in heaven with his arms crossed, just waiting for you to blow it. Just disappointed, angry. God is, is, is waiting for you with his arms wide open. He is actually running towards you with open arms, inviting you to turn to him and come into his loving arms. No matter who you are or what you've done or what you're currently doing, the invitation is for you. So over the next few weeks leading up to Christmas, we're going to be looking at these journeys to Jesus and the obstacles they had to face for them to behold the Savior. And today we're going to be looking at probably the most famous one of those stories, and it's the story of Mary and Joseph. And Mary and Joseph were the mother and earthly father of Jesus. And we can, we can read their story in, in the book of Matthew and, and the book of Luke. And this morning, we're going to kind of jump back and forth between those. But God was inviting these young people into a really unique relationship with him. It's a very unique re- relationship. And even though our situations are different than the relationship that they have with Jesus, there are very, uh, there are so many similarities. There are all kinds of things that we can learn from this story. So why don't we pray and then just invite the Lord to be with us. So God, we thank you for your story. We thank you for uh, uh, redemption. We thank you that you are actively pursuing 
And God, I ask that as, as I speak this morning, that your Holy Spirit would be inviting people this morning. So we ask your kingdom to come in this place. In your name, amen. Uh, so we're going to start off in the book of Luke, and we're going to start off by looking at Mary. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 1, verse 26, um, and it'll be up on the screens, and we have Bibles around the, the auditorium, so you can grab one if you need one. And if you do not have a Bible at home, please take one with you. We would love to give you that gift. So it says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, by the way, Elizabeth is Mary's cousin, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a distant descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. So we have this young woman, Mary. We don't know exactly how young she is, but we, we know by, by the culture that she was probably a teenager. And she's visited by this angel Gabriel. And, and Gabriel comes to her and says, Mary, you are highly favored. And I've often heard that phrase and, and, and thought, man, Mary must have been pretty great. And her teachings and, and read things about how Mary was amazing. She was highly favored. But actually, that word highly favored doesn't imply that at all. What it, what it actually means is that she could have been or could have not been great. It had nothing to do with how wonderful she was. Highly favored actually comes from the Greek word kerichotamine, which is the root for charity, which means unmerited favor, which means undeserved favor. It's grace. It means Mary wasn't necessarily special, but God was extending grace to her. His love, his, his undeserved favor, his mercy, it, it, it wasn't something that Mary had earned. It wasn't something that Mary was better than all of the rest of the young gals in Nazareth, so God chose her. It was undeserved. And the, that kind of grace, that kind of love that God is extending to Mary is the same love and invitation and grace that God is extending to you this morning. And every day of your life, we don't earn his favor. We don't earn his, his love. We don't have to do enough good things in order for God to be pleased with us or, or avoid enough bad things for God to want to be in a relationship with us. It is undeserved. It's a gift. And God just pours it out freely. It's a, it's a gift. It's unmerited. So how does Mary respond to this? Verse 29, jumping back in. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor, that unmerited favor, with God. And you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. 
So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. You, you can go ahead and underline that, that sentence in your Bible. No word from God will ever fail. That's just an aside, but that's a good thing to remember and to have underlined or highlighted in your Bible. So what does Mary say? Verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. So Gabriel comes to, to Mary, and there's all of this language that's rich and full of history that I wish I had time to go into. But essentially, so many things that the angel is saying to, to Mary were popping off light bulbs. They're all, all this prophetic language of things that had been said about one who is going to come. This anointed one, this Messiah, who is going to be the king of the Jews, who's going to be king of the world, and, and that he would sit on the throne forever, and he would be a, a descendant of David and the Son of God, and, and all of these things would have been, been stirring up inside of her, and she would have been, been making all of these associations. That the Son of God Most High was going to be inside of her, and she would deliver it, and it would be the king of the world and savior of the world forever. And this is, this is awesome. This must have been exciting and uh, just, just an answer. I mean, for thousands of years, people had been waiting for this moment to happen. But it wasn't that simple. I mean, think about the implications of this young woman who is engaged to be married to Joseph. Think about the implications that that would mean for her. I mean, in this particular culture, I mean, even actually, not even in that culture, but even in our culture, it would have meant that probably her engagement was going to be broken, right? She's going to walk up to Joseph and say, hey, I'm pregnant. And Joseph would have been like, what? We've, you know, we've never been intimate. This, you've been unfaithful to me. And most likely, he would break off the engagement. But in this particular culture, it would have been far more extreme than just a broken uh, engagement. According to, 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 to the law, um, you know, women in this particular culture were, were, were seen as, as property, they had very little rights. They, they were, you know, bought and sold. They, they were, it was an extremely patriarchal society. And according to law, if you committed adultery, you could be stoned to death. And Mary knew this was a possibility, that, that she could be put to death because of, because of this situation. But what does she say? What does she say? Her, her response is amazing. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your words to me be fulfilled. Man, that's, that, that takes some courage. 
It takes some boldness to say, hey, I'm in. I'm in. So she goes to tell Joseph. Um, she lets Joseph know uh, what happened. And, and initially, Joseph doesn't believe her. Joseph is like, well, this seems pretty pretty crazy. But let's switch over to Matthew 1 and see uh, Joseph's response. Verse 19. It says, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So what this means is Joseph was probably, it seems like Joseph was a pretty good guy. He was kind, at least in this situation. I, don't, I, I can't speak for, for all the situations, but he was, he was being very gracious in this situation. He, he, he didn't believe the story that she was telling, but he, and he, he felt like, I, I can't be married to this woman, but I don't want all of these horrible things to happen to her, so I'm going to divorce her quietly. And essentially meant, we're going to send her away, we're going to send her to a far off place and she's going to have to live there and have the baby and, and, and you know, be a single mom and all of those, those difficult things. But we're not going to shame her publicly and we're not going to you know, stone her to death. But jumping back into verse 20. It says, after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. As his wife. So Joseph has this dream. Angel visits him and says, you need to believe Mary. She's telling the truth. And, and again, there's lots of, lots of really uh, loaded language in here. And basically the angel saying it's the Messiah. This is the Messiah, the one that we've been waiting for. And so Joseph listens and, and he marries, marries her. And we're gonna look in a few weeks on Christmas Eve of, at the birth of Jesus. But today I wanna look at something really, really important in this story. See that invitation that God is extending to the world, to you, is, is not just to know him. It's not just to be with him. I mean, that's a huge part of it. And, and oftentimes the language we use uh, about becoming a Christian or, or, or anything like that, we say like inviting Jesus into our life or inviting Jesus into our heart. And that's certainly, there's biblical things about that, that there's truth in that, but, but it's not just that. God is not just inviting you to know him and for him to know you, but he is inviting you into the, 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 the greatest story ever told. He's inviting you into his mission. He's inviting you into this, this, this plan to, to restore the world back to him. 
Just like God interjected into my story and said, come on, be a part of, you, be a part of mine. That's what God is calling all of us to. He's saying, I have plans for you. I have things that I've designed for you. I have things that I've, 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 I've thought about for, 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 for eternity that I want you to do. Jeremiah 29 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. See, God had a plan for Mary and Joseph from the beginning. This was not just God saying, oh, there's Mary and Joseph, I have an idea. This had been something that he'd been planning since before the dawn of time. Did you notice in verse 22 where it said, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophets? God had been, been whispering these things for, for, for forever, saying this is gonna happen. And this is what it's gonna look like. And this is where it's gonna happen. And this is how it's gonna happen. And all of these things, this is, this is all part of the story. And God is inviting you to be a part of that story. I know a few weeks ago, I had said, God made you on purpose for a purpose. It's true. You're not, you're not just chance. You weren't a mistake. God made you on purpose and, and, and for a purpose. God has plans for you. You were designed to be an integral part of the story of God. The story of redemption. You're important. You matter. He has a plan for you. And, and here's the cool thing. Is he doesn't have to use you. God doesn't have to use me, but he chooses to. And sometimes I wonder, God, why, why, do, you, why do you choose to, to work out the story of redemption through us? Because you know the, the hope of the world says the light of the world is, is the church. And not because of how great we are, but how great he is. But God chooses to, to, to work out this plan of redemption through his people. And, and that's humbling. Like, why does he do that? I remember a few weeks ago, I was praying for this guy, and it was one of those situations where, where you're praying for someone, and everything you say just seems like it was from the Lord, and the guy was just weeping, and, and just like, like, how did you know that, and all of these things, and, and, and just being perfectly honest, sometimes when those things happen to me, I think, I'm pretty good at this. I'm a really good prayer. You know, or, or in, like in my flesh, I'll, I'll, I'll get prideful about stuff like that. But, but in this moment, I didn't. In this moment, I was like completely humbled. Like, God, you could have spoken those things to him without me. You didn't have to use me to speak those things to him. Why, why did you do it through me? And I, as clear as day, I, I heard God say, because I like you. I like you. And I wanted you to share in my glory. God wants us to share in his glory. 
He wants us to participate and and co-labor with him in this beautiful story because he likes you. He made you because he likes you. And the reason he uses us is because he he wants us to get to enjoy this story as well. He wants us to be able to, 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 to say, this is exciting, I get to be a part of this thing. But here's the catch. Sometimes we like our story better than we like his story. Sometimes we like our plans better than we like his plans. It's true for me. There's often times in my life where I think, God, I know you're calling me to do this. I know you're asking me to do this thing, but I'd rather do this. This seems more comfortable for me. I was kind of enjoying this. Sometimes the things he asks us to do seem impossible. Like I can't, I'm not equipped to do that. I'm not in the right circumstance to do that. I don't have the tools. I'm not good enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. Or sometimes it just feels unappealing. Right? Like, I enjoy this lifestyle. This is something I enjoy. And God, I know that you're asking me to give that up, but I like it. Or I don't like doing this thing that you're asking me to do. You know I don't like it. You know I'd rather binge Netflix. Like I have a better idea, God. But God, he, he doesn't, I mean, he makes no bones about it. Like sometimes I feel like if I was God's PR firm, I would be like, God, we have, we have some work to do. Like, I don't, why, do you, why do you do this? Like, all throughout the Bible, he makes it really clear that if you choose to follow him, he's going to ask you to do things that you don't like. I say, God, you should do like a bait and switch. But he doesn't. He says, like, from the beginning, he says, hey, if you want to follow me, you got to pick up your cross daily. It's going to be hard. And he says, your plans are a lot different than my plans. I love Isaiah 55. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And sometimes when I read this, I want to read it to my daughter Olive but <laughs> let me take the place of God in that and say, Olive, my ways are higher than your ways. <laughs> like, Olive, I know that you think this is a good idea, but trust me, I'm smarter than you right now. Maybe, maybe in a couple years you'll be smarter than me, but not right now, sweetie. Like, I know you think it's a good idea to eat candy for all meals, but it's not, trust me. My ways are higher than your ways. And God is the same way with us. That's that's what he's communicating to us. He says, I know you think this is good. I know you think you like this. And this is what's going to make you happy. I know you think eating candy all day long is going to make you happy. But guess what? It's not. 
It may in the moment, it may for a period of time, but it's not going to make you happy. What, what, what I have for you might seem more difficult, like eating vegetables, that might seem more, more difficult, but it's better for you. It's, it's gonna help you thrive. So we're faced with this choice. Our ways or God's ways? Our plan or God's plan? Our story or God's story? And that's the obstacle, right? That's the biggest obstacle that I see on our journey towards God, is do we want what we want or do we want what he wants? Do we want to embrace our plans or do we want to embrace God's? And I find that obstacle to be true with me like daily. It's a daily obstacle. And, and probably on a daily basis, I have conversations with people who are wrestling with that in, in one way or another. God is asking me to do this, but I don't want to. I, I know that this is what the Bible says, but I want to do this. I know God is, is asking me to give up this thing in my life, but I just don't want to. For Mary and Joseph, first of all, that God's plan probably seemed impossible. It probably seemed like, I don't know how that's going to work. But it also probably seemed really hard. And, and this is pure speculation. We don't see this in the story, but I, I, I often wonder, what were Mary and Joseph thinking? You know, for Mary, it had to have been, what if, what if my husband doesn't believe me? Or what if, what, what if Joseph doesn't believe me? What if, what, if, what if I get thrown out in the middle of the town square and stoned to death? I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if I'm strong enough. I don't know if I'm smart enough. I don't want to deal with the public humiliation. I don't, want to, I don't know if I'm good enough. For Joseph, what if it was, what if that dream was just based off the, the, the bad hollow bread I had last night? What if that dream was just craziness and that really wasn't an angel in my dream? What if, what if I marry her and she cheats on me? What if I have to raise this, this child who is, you know, someone else's and, and, and all the, I mean, what, all these what ifs. They had their plans. We, want to just, we just want to get married. We want to have our own kids. We want to just have a normal life. And again, this is just speculation. But they had their plan. And then God comes along and messes everything up. Like he's known to do. We have our plan. We say, this is what I'm, this is my dream. This is where I'm going. This is what, how I've set out my life. This is how my, I'm going to use my money. This is how I'm going to live my life. And then God comes and just messes everything up in like the most beautiful way possible. Well, I mean, I, who knows what they were thinking? But I know I'd be thinking, God, can you pick someone else? 
Is there any way that this could, could be someone else? I don't know if I have what it takes. Thankfully, that's not what Mary said. In verse 38 of Luke, Mary says, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. She says, I'm your servant. I'm your servant. They could have said, no, thank you. She could have said, not interested. And I don't know what would have happened if she would have said that. She could have said, too hard. And that's the same choice that we have today. Do we want to say yes to the plan that God has for us? Do we want to say yes to the story he's inviting us into? Or do we want to say, I have my own plans? I have my own story. Guys, for them, it was giving birth and and raising the savior of the world. And I have a really pretty good guess that it won't be that for you. But it's going to be something. It's going to be something. God is constantly asking you to say yes to something to do something, to, to, to go somewhere, to, to, be, to be quiet, to, to rest, to, to go forward. It could be all kinds of things. And just like Mary, we are called to be servants. And a servant says yes. A servant obeys and doesn't say, but I wanted to do something bigger. Or actually, God, I wanted to do something a little smaller first. Can we take baby steps? A servant just says, okay, if that's what you want me to do. And it's a daily yes. It's, a, it's an every moment of the day yes. And oftentimes, most of the time, it's in small things. I remember my brother um, which, by the way, is another fantastic story of, of a story that was going deep into darkness and God rescuing someone out and bringing them into a story of redemption. But my brother is a missionary in Brazil. And I remember uh, a few years back on one of the short-term mission trips, by the way, we're having one in June, and if you are interested, send me an email. Um, but in, on this particular mission trip, uh, someone was talking to my brother and saying, man, it must have been so difficult for you to just leave everything and leave all your friends and family um, and, and go to Brazil. That must have been so hard. And, and, and I remember hearing my brother say, yeah, it was hard. But you know what's more difficult? Uh, being kind to my wife every day. You know what's, what's harder than, than moving across the world is actually being kind to that guy at the bank who's rude to me. He's saying it's the day-to-day things that are sometimes so hard to be obedient in. We give our yes to God in every moment, whether it's big or small, scary or safe, exciting or mundane. We say yes. We say, you know, I'm your servant. Let your words to me be fulfilled. And I'm promising you this, that if you step into God's story, he's going to mess everything up. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. 
It'll be challenging. But you'll get to be part of the greatest story ever told. You'll be invited to participate in the most compelling, beautiful narrative that there is of the greatest adventure that you could possibly be a part of. And and I also promise you this, that in the middle of despair, in the middle of hardships, in the middle of devastating things, you will have a peace and a hope and a joy that transcends any kind of realm of understanding that we we could have. But the, but the, 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 the message of certain types of, of Christianity that says you come to Jesus and everything gets great, it's not true. I mean, just look at the life of Jesus. That's not, I mean, Jesus had to suffer. And if it's good enough for our Savior, it's good enough for us. So what is it for you today? What is God asking you to say yes to? I wonder. I sit and look around the room. I see all of these people living all of these different stories. And and I know God is intersecting into each one of your stories and inviting you into something. Maybe for you, it's, it's you need to rest more. You're you're pushing too hard. Maybe it's something simple like you you need to get involved in a small group. You need to get involved into community. You've been you've been kind of on the outside now. Now it's time to step in. Maybe there's someone close to you that God is asking you to to reconcile, to restore things with, to to share his love with. You know, maybe it's something relational. Maybe he's asking you to to give up something. That there's something that you're doing that's really unhealthy, and he's saying, I don't want you to do that. That's bad for you. Maybe for you, there's something that you do in the darkness that God wants you to bring into the light. There's something that, that you've just been doing for maybe, maybe for years or maybe it's a recent thing and God says, let's take it out of the darkness and, and, and bring it to the light. Maybe God is asking you to do something big. Maybe God is asking you to be a missionary in Brazil. Or may, maybe God is asking you to tell the truth in this situation that it would be so easy to lie in. I don't know. For each of us, it could be something different. But I believe if it's not happening now, that over the next little while, God will start speaking things to you. I want you to do this. I'm asking you to do this. And sometimes it's gonna be through reading scripture. Like, oh, this is what God wants me to do. Sometimes it's gonna be in the context of community where everybody around you is saying, hey, I think this is a bad idea. Or maybe it'll be the still small voice of God written on your heart and in your mind. But we need to pay attention and we need to say yes. Why don't we stand? We are your servants, God. You know, I had mentioned that we're all in different places in our stories. And, And I have a feeling there are some people here 
who are very distant to God. In fact, maybe, maybe for you, you don't, you know, you've never believed in God, or maybe you do believe in him, but you don't even know what that means, and you're, you have lots of questions, and I feel like God wants you to know today that his invitation is for you right now. That right now is the time for you to say, okay, I want to step into this journey. I want to step into this story. And, and maybe you don't understand all the implications. And heck, I don't understand all the implications. But he's saying, come to me. Come be a part of my story. So here's what I want to do. Can we bow our heads? I'm going to just say a prayer. And there's nothing special about this prayer. There's nothing um, great about the words I'm going to use. But if you want to use my words... Uh, to say I want to be a part of the story, you can, or you can say your own. But God, I just admit right now that I have been living my own story, and, and, and maybe my story has been pretty good, I've been successful, but I know there's something missing, or maybe my story is, is really messed up and really dark, and, 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 and I know I don't want to be a part of that story anymore. And God, I want to step into your story. I want to invite you into my life and I, and I accept your invitation to be uh, into your life and I accept your, what you did on the cross, the, the thing that brought me back into relationship with you, Lord, and I want to give you my life today. And as we keep our heads bowed, if you said that prayer with me, can you just raise your hand? Bless you guys. Why don't we do this? Why don't we just wait on the Lord for a moment? If you're new here, this is, this is a time, at the end of each service, we just like to have a time where we respond. And we pray for each other and there's, there's nothing... It's a little weird, I'll admit. But we just pray for each other because we believe that God is here with us. And we want to be people who say yes. So, God, would you have your way in this room? So, I want to invite a few people forward just to, just to receive prayer. First, if you're one of those people who raised your hand, I'd love for you to come forward in a moment when we invite people forward and just, just receive prayer. And just let the person know who's praying for you that you were one of the people who raised your hand. And if you don't feel comfortable with that, that's okay, but would you let someone know that you said that? Maybe it's the person you came with or uh, you can let me know after the service or, or whatever. But I also felt like there was a few things here. Uh, first, I felt like God was saying there are people here who... Um, just are really tired of their story. And, and I felt like God said that you, you've been a Christian like for a long time. But you've never really fully submitted into the story of God and, 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 and you're really tired of the story and you're, you're, just, you're just plain tired. And you need a fresh touch, you need some fresh revelation, you need God to breathe some energy into you. And I want to invite you forward to get some prayer. Also, I felt like the Lord was saying there are people here who deal with uh, 
anxiety and fear. And, and maybe it's, it's fear and anxiety over a very real situation that you're facing. Maybe it's something career-wise or something with your kids. Or maybe it's just this constant, just blanket of fear that you wear on your shoulders. And God wants to bring peace and relief from that. But, but, I, but I also just felt that there, there is healing available in this room. So if there's any pain or sickness emotionally, physically. Um, why don't you come on forward? We, we'd love to pray for you. And I felt like the Lord specifically said joint pain. That he wants to give some healing for joint pain and uh, chronic headaches. So if any of those things apply to you or if you just want prayer for anything, please come on forward as we sing this last song.